that might be where one of the guys was based, or the guy who was who was being uh, spoken to was was based. Oops. Oh, that's a slavable offence. Sorry. Uh, fortunately, we can edit that out. Yeah, it still happened. Yeah, hey, everyone. Matt's phone just rang. I am fully conscious of the fact that I need to be consciously supporting. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I'd turned it down. Uh, I, I, and it's a different call. It's uh, Paul Daly from Line. Paul, I know, you, I, I know you're listening, Paul. That was you. Could you please send uh, Prof uh, Pilsner a uh, carton of your finest? Thanks to Cryer Malt, a grain of truth in every podcast. This is now Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me today is the founding editor of Australian Brews News, Australia's leading source of beer news, views, and opinions. It's Matt Kierkegaard. Morning again, Matt. Good morning, Prof. Uh, thank you for having me back. Hi, Matt. That's all right. Thanks for being had. Uh, joining us this week is nobody. No, uh, look, not a, as you're about to reveal, not a huge week of beer news. We're going to keep our powder dry. We don't want to use up all our favours. Our and, awesome uh, talent, yeah. Although there is a lineup of people to to be joining us but yeah no it just seems a waste to when there's not a lot happening to uh to sort of call out the big names and uh james atkinson is packing to go to the craft brewers conference in the u.s so and uh, he's recovering from uh, a little bit of a cold that i think he may have picked up on his last uh, trip to japan so yeah best let him uh, with a warm water bottle and some uh, lem sip that's it or a, a very Big pellet shredding IPA, I find, is, is is good to make you, at least if nothing else, to forget about what's making you feel unwell. Uh, making us feel well in news this week, Four Pines dips a toe into the Pacific. Uh, Hargraves Hill offers winemakers a refreshing alternative. Uh, sobering thoughts on beer prices. And what's in a name? We might start off with that, Matt. What's in a name? We should explain to the listeners that early on, uh, you will have noticed that I said uh, this is now Good Brews Week. So what we've decided to do, Matt, is bring everything under the banner of Radio Brews News, but then uh, to have, I guess, different subsections. Well, yeah, look, as we constantly evolve. We have evolved, haven't we? Episode 167 of uh, Radio Brews News. I think we first did this, you, me, Kiralee. Um, and James Smith. Uh, yeah. It was the first one we ever did. Uh, well, I, I did a practice one. With I know the... you did a practice run, but but like the seven the seven episodes of uh, Brendan Varus, they ended up on the cutting <laughs> yeah, yeah, floor. Yeah. There were a whole lot that never made it to it. But it has been going for about seven years. I, I would describe it as being initially you know less and less half-assed um, each year. And now we're actually sort of becoming... You know, dare I say, a little bit more and more professional in in our approach, um, and and that is in no um, short uh, thanks to our producer um, Joe Helder, who here, here. does a great job, really uh, editing it down and making it sound uh, you know as, as schmick as the material that we give her. Uh, but also, Matt, I think the important thing is we we are fair dinkum as regular as Metamucil in terms of um, the the timing. Now, I think we've got quite right in terms of. We uh, and we and we've cut it a little bit tighter, a little bit of a you know a BTS behind the scenes there for the for the listeners. But Matt and I record now on a, either a Thursday or a Friday, so that we've got the full week's worth of news to sort of to, to chat about before it gets stale. But then uh, Joe manages to sort of have it all nipped and tucked and everything by Sunday night. And Monday morning, it's in your inbox for your Monday morning commute. We've been taking the same approach with beer as a conversation that we have with Radio Brews News in wanting to record close to when it goes out. 
that's probably not as critical because the conversations aren't always as time sensitive. So just uh, scheduling the guests for that. But so essentially Radio Brews News that this podcast started as because it's splintered into a couple of different shows. Radio Brews News is almost a podcasting channel that we've got. And then we've got a couple of shows because as uh, listeners would have seen last week, we did a little uh, commercial um, podcast where we'd been approached by um, a business that wanted to you know, put up its uh, CEO and founder as uh, I guess it wasn't quite where we would go for a beer as a conversation, but the content, as, uh, I, as the feedback I've been getting from people who listen to it, um, was actually quite interesting. So, um, you know, there, there are going to be some commercial things that come up uh, along that. Um, we also have been doing the Facebook Lives um, or the Radio Brews News Lives. We've got a couple of those coming up um, as we'll talk about. So Radio Brews News becomes the channel and then we're going to have Good Brews Week. Um, which is this, uh, Beer is a Conversation, and then uh, Brews News Live, a couple of other little things that we'll uh, do within that uh, channel. So, yeah, so that that's if you're confused about what you're listening to, um, you are listening to uh, Good Brews Week. Yeah, you'll get used to it in the same way that we will. <laughs> yes. Back to the beer news. Beautiful segue. Uh, what's in a name? Um, Four Pines came out last week with a Pacific Ale, which is the first Pacific Ale, I, th- I think, that's in a mid-strength. So it's tapping into that popularity of the concept of a Pacific Ale as a style. And let's not even get into the whole trademark thing. But it's also capturing that, uh, you know what, maybe uh, some of our the punters that we're trying to reach out to, not the ones who are sort of you know already on the bandwagon, um, they maybe want to have three, four or five and still be able to, you know, pilot the Commodore home. Um, hat tip here to William Wilson, uh, Sydney Beer Identity. And a man who looks sensational in a kilt. I'll have to take your word on that. Um, James, uh, there was an embargoed story that came out from uh, Four Pines talking about the bar, and I think we broke that on the new, you know, that was launched, um, pretty much went live as we were talking on the podcast last week. Um, William Wilson studied, you know, read the story and the, the very sort of grainy photo that was provided and uh, had a look at the tap decals and said, hold on, that's a new beer. And uh, obviously zoomed in and said Pacific Ale. So because James hadn't been to the launch that night yet, he wasn't aware of and they'd not mentioned what the beers were, but had a photo of the unveiling. So William Wilson, nice, nice set of eyes you've got there. Um, yes, yeah, so Four Pines is launched a Pacific Ale. It's a mid-strength. Um, interesting. We can't really talk about the whole Pacific Ale thing because um, that, just despite uh, some of the comments that have cropped up on the site, my understanding is the trademark case is still pending. Um, so there was a federal court case and a federal court appeal um, about passing off that uh, my understanding is separate to uh, trademark and we don't know yeah, where that yeah. is. So anyway, but um, Prof, interesting that they brought out a Pacific Ale style or whatever they're calling it they seem to be referring to it as a as a style because there are other beers a summer ale or draft actually no it's a it's a brand name because summer ale and draft are their brand names but they've brought out a mid-strength version of that when they've also got a wild jack a yak ales pacific ale that's a full strength and to me that's wondering whether that's actually going to confuse beer drinkers because you've um got a two very similar beers one's mid-strength one's full strength and uh you know like for, for a long time, beer drinkers were conditioned that if they saw a blonde ale or if they saw a blonde, that tended to be a low-carb beer. Unless you're in Belgium, yeah. Unless you're in Belgium, absolutely. But And depending on the spelling. But yeah, pure blonde and all that sort of, I guess, really sort of cartwheeled that into the market. Do you think, though, Matt, that people associate uh, Pacific Ale or Ale 
with with full strength. Rack my brain here, but I'm pretty sure the original and the best, the Stone and Wood Pacific Ale is 4.2 or 4.4? 4.4. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and it's always been 4.4. So that's um, the low end of, of full strength, really, isn't it? You know. Well, but that's the thing these days. But what is it? Is it point point two of a standard drink or point one of a standard? You know, what's the difference between a, a 3.5 and say a 4.2? Uh, well, a three point eight in a three thirty mil stubby, I think, is a stand, is one standard drink. So it's probably point eight versus one point two standard drinks, which doesn't sound like a lot until you actually have two or three beers an hour, and the the, the one standard drink is is the amount of alcohol that your body breaks down in an hour. So you do start to get an accumulation. So you know, full yeah. strength, yeah. So so it is um, like a, a relevant. Uh, amount but these days full strength beer seems to be um you know, around about that 4.4 to 4.6 whereas once upon a time full strength was always regarded at 4.95 we have seen some real um gravity bringing the um you know particularly around excise laws um and consumer behavior bringing full strength down to be regarded as 4.4 to 4.6 so Mate, it's one of those things that we can prognosticate all we want. I was a little bit surprised that it was a um, mid-strength. Whether there's going to be surprise in the marketplace that leads to confusion, I don't know. Or whether people are just going to come up and say, I want a Pacific Ale, um, and then be surprised that they've been sitting on it all day and aren't wobbling yet. <laughs> and look, particularly in the confines, I guess, of the SCG, where you're going to buy whatever's there at, at the bar that's closest to you. And if you see Pacific Ale, you know, clearly this has been branded, um, you know, it's, it's been discussed around the marketing table to cash in on the popularity and the, the name recognition of, of Pacific Ale. Is it maybe because depending on the, um, what do they call, yeah, whoever's got the, the, the porridge rights at a particular ground can, can say, well, we're only going to serve mid-strength you know, during night games or, you know, whatever it might be. But isn't that the thing with this bar that it was kind of like the members bar and so they were allowed to sell full strength? Hmm. Be an interesting one. It is an interesting one. But again, it's it's the interesting thing for me from a brand perspective, and we've talked previously about the Potemkin Village approach, which is a term that I picked up from Phil Cook in New Zealand, um, which goes back to, you know, one of the Mandarins built building fronts along the train line so when the Tsar passed it looked like his domain you know his his um, empire was bigger than it was when it was really just all frontages and that's a lovely way to describe what we've seen with the sort of big brewers um, buying uh, the, the the small craft brewers is that you can walk into a pub you can see four pines you can see fat yak you can see um, Goose Island, you can see Carlton Draft, Tank Beer, you can see um, VB, and it looks like the bar has a really impressive array of different breweries. When you know, give it a couple of years, and they could all be coming out of the same, exactly the same um, brew house, and that's where I think it is an interesting element that um, CUB, which as we gather, is allowed to um, use Pacific Ale um, without fear of any litigation they've got a, a pacific ale in the yakals they've got a pacific ale in four pines um they've got their summer ale um which the four pines summer ale was always very close to the stone and wood pacific ale in flavor um but then you've also got um you know the, the, the yakals you've got a couple of other beers um and they seem to have a couple of different beers in a couple of different brands that are very very similar which is about you know having that right mix to take 
to um, premises, which reinforces um, the, the, the the flagging idea of the tap contract. You know, you, the, the, what we'd picked up in the market was that tap contracts were less and less attractive because you didn't have the variety because you had to take CUB beers. This lets them sort of walk in and offer a suite of products across a suite of brands that fill exactly the same spots as the most common competitors would have been to you know, gradually prize away that tap contract. Yeah, I guess the interesting thing is what it does show is that, um, as we've discussed with various guests over recent months, that um, it's not so much that tastes are changing because I think, um, you know, hops will always be king for, for those who are really, you know, fanboys of, of craft beer. The, those who really, for, for whom, you know, uh, forsake all mainstream because, you know, I've now found, you know, what, I, what I'm looking for kind of thing. But the reality is that that's, you know, uh, a, a fairly small percentage of a small percentage. So the 94% or so um, still want lighter flavours. They want something a little bit, you know, to, to, to perhaps even one day build up to that. But they want the, the low alcohol and they want the um, light, uh, more mellow sort of flavoured Beers and Simon Walkenhurst from Hargraves Hill made some very interesting comments that you picked up on uh, in the chat that I had uh, to him. And I, and I thought at the time, I thought, yeah, that's you know, it's you've got to know your own backyard, I guess. And in the Aravelli, there, um, you know, Simon's comments were, you know, we've got a lot of winemakers who, who really aren't into hops; they don't really like hops. Our, our brewery, the new brewery, is in a in industrial state, sort of just at the the back of the township of uh, of Lillardale. And he said, you know, we've got blokes who love drinking our beer, but they don't want to drink. They'll, they'll walk past us to get the lighter flavoured sort of beers that they're, that they're after. So in, as part of their refresh, they've um, they brought in a, a lager, which I grabbed a sample of, and uh, as well as a, a mid-strength that we were just talking about. And both of those are just crackingly really good beers. Congratulations, by the way, Prof, um, on the uh, Simon uh, interview. I, I, I was riveted uh, to that. You know, they, he's been around for a long time, and uh, he certainly had his share of you know experiences in, in the craft beer industry. And uh, I, I guess that was a nice pigeon pair for the um, one that we did with Fortitude the, the the next week, which is going through a very similar rebranding process. Um, mm. And when you see that there's some similar, that they, they've got, they've both taken consultants. Um, you know, taking advice from professionals in their branding and their their, their lineups and uh, things like that, and yet they're doing something that's fairly similar um, in terms of having very strong brands, getting rid of some of their products, standardising some of their others. And to me, that's a really powerful statement about the beer market. So, you know, craft beer was kick-started by hops the excitement of hops, how different they were, is what really propelled it out um, into consciousness and created that real passion behind um, craft beer. And it's been really amazing at bringing more people into the brewing scene, bringing more consumers, creating excitement um, and all, all of that around it. But, you know, there's almost been this bubble that's broken off from the mainstream beer market that is a little bit separate. Um, and, you know, now you can see all of the parody videos um, coming out about the, the craft beer drinker. It's a very easy thing to poke fun at. But you're seeing the brewers that have been around for a long time that, you know, fired up with hops and you know really wanted to, to lead the charge with flavour, now starting to say, well, okay, um, the feedback that we're getting is if we've got a group of five people coming in, you know, three of them are drinking you know, we'll try our beer or ask for our beer, but there's two of them that really don't like what we're offering. 
Um, and you know, is that stopping the five from coming back because the two that don't want to drink won't come back at all? Um, and you know, we got. I'll just read out a couple of his quotes. Um, a lot of our winemaking friends, they're not big on hops. They just want something nice and clean and refreshing. What I'm hearing there is they don't want beer to change. They want beer to be what it always was, maybe a slightly better um, version, maybe a you know, different provenance to the big brewers, but we want to basically drink the same thing but feel a little bit differently about drinking it. And the other one was we've got uh, people in the industrial estate in Lilydale where the brewery is, they say... I don't want a beer that tastes like flowers. Prof, that wasn't that a Batuta Advocate gag? <laughs> you know, so I, I, the, the thing that makes Batuta Advocate so clever is you know, they say these things in a, in, in a gag. You've got to look for the byline to see that it's the Batuta Advocate before you, before you dismiss it. And when you've got the brewer of a, you know, like a, a, a very reflective, thoughtful brewer um, revising his line because people think that most craft beer is fruit juice, is Pasito. Look, that that actually makes a really powerful statement uh, about the industry and where the mainstream market is going, and how how many people we're taking with us on the journey. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I look, I, I think it's to anyone's peril who completely disregards that. I'm not saying that you, you're not going to have a modus operandi or a pirate life who create brands based on big hoppy beers still and or um doing what wildflower is doing and making really sour beer you know making you know those really interesting um beers that are challenging um to the to the mainstream palate i'm not saying you can't build a brand around that but that is as much about the branding as it is about the beers beers themselves aren't going to take um a a business for a ride so yeah no look congratulations on that chat prof and uh i you know i i think when you look at what has happened with Four Pines, and when you look at what's happening in the you know the older, more established craft brewers, um, it's it's a really really interesting, challenging time for craft brewers how they keep value in their brands when they're smacking head to head up against much more efficiently produced identical beers in the marketplace. Um, and I think too, at the end of the day, we all buy with our wallets. And uh, we were just discussing off air if you're standing there and you're retailer and you've got you know, four six packs uh, I'm, I'm after a six pack of um you know pale ale australian style pale ale and here are four um very similar style beers and uh you know one's 22.99 and another two are 20.99 and one's 17.99 a lot of people are going to go towards the 17.99 so price uh, being price sensitive is is still part of the uh i get you know the decision tree in terms of uh, when, when people are buying their beer. And I was interested to hear this week, uh, or last week, um, when the Cancer Council had come out with the, um, I hate to burst the bubble, guys, but, you know, low-carb beer is not actually all that low-carb because guess what? What we in the beer biz have known for 100 years, beer doesn't actually have many many carbs to start with, so reducing them by two-thirds is two-thirds are not a lot. Yes. Um, but it then uh, led them to uh, do an interview with a guy from Sober, S-O-B-A-H Brewing, the key point that he made, uh, which really sort of piqued my interest, was that he he said to the to the interviewer, uh, well, you know, as far as price goes, you know, we're um, in line with uh, with other craft beers. Our six packs are about twenty five dollars and about ninety dollars for a case. Now, first of all, I thought that's expensive. That's expensive for craft beer. This is this is non alcoholic beer. So you're not even paying excise on that. No, no, it's 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 below point zero five. 
and that's the whole point of it. And it's uh, yeah, look, it probably has wonderful provenance, and it's it's uh, its own or run uh, like as an indigenous uh, element to it. Um, there's really interesting sort of artwork on the cans, and I think they've also incorporated some indigenous or you know native um, flavor ingredients and and that sort of thing. But it's a non-alcoholic a non-alcoholic beer. I, I wish them all the best, but but ninety bucks, I don't know. And that, that's a good point. But then again, if they can create a value proposition for that, um, and I'm sounding like a market, I spend a lot of time talking about it. <laughs> if you can create a value proposition, but you know, like I walk into, you know, a good bottle shop, and a, a lot of the local craft breweries, a lot of the local small breweries, are these days canning. You know, thanks to the um, East Coast canning and uh, you know that sort of um, operation, um, they can all can. But because they all can they all are and suddenly you've got 22 24 dollar four packs of you know a pale ale um and some of them are very good um you know like i'm really excited about the quality of some of the beers that are coming out of the the, the small breweries but yeah i don't necessarily want to be drinking you know I'll, I'll go to that brewery and drink the beer fresh from the tank um within because you get the experience and you're supporting them and you get all of that value add I really don't know that I see value in drinking that beer that's been canned in a bottle shop to take home. When there is, when you know, like the, the, now there is like five or six local breweries that are canning it. I want to support them all, and that's part of my purchasing tree that you referred to, Prof. But I can't, you know, I, I can't support them all um, because I don't buy, you know, five cartons of beer a week. Um, you know, I don't buy six, four packs of pale ales a week that I can support all of them. So then I've got the, you know, part of my decision tree is, well, I want to support them. I can't. Which one will I support? It'll be the better one. Which is the better one? Flip the can over, look at the fresher one or the one that I've had the the, the most... Success with in the past. Consistent yeah. experience with. All, all of those sorts of things. Even while I'm making that purchase, I'm still very, very conscious that this is, you know, two, three, four, five dollars a six-pack or a four-pack more expensive than some of the, the bigger ones um, and that's when I'm an informed motivated consumer to, to buy to buy all of those um, beers and you know I, I just sort of wonder how successful the model is and you do you know talking to the to the local bottle you do see a lot of these beers come in they sell out the first time everyone gets very excited because you know because the the store only gets excited because the beer is sold out the consumer is excited because this great little craft brewery has got their beer on the shelves in cans they grab a six at a or a four at a take home second order comes in and it sits out that little bit longer third order it's still on the shelf you know four weeks later bargain bin a month after that yeah and and there is a whole novelty so yeah um look there, there is what i term gravity in the market you know like the, the the excitement is the uplifting thing but all of the things that you know led to supermarket block chatter all of the things that led to the rise of mcdonald's and fast food you know yes you're going to have one or two really great fresh local you know provenance based restaurants but everyone else is taken to uber eats Exactly. That's a bit depressing, Prof. I didn't mean to. It is, yeah. Look, on that note, um, excitement. Um, Gabs is coming up because Good Beer Week is coming up, um, which means judging is only a week away, which means the Australian National Beer Awards are, um, are beckoning. And um, that's, of course, followed Friday, Saturday, Sunday by uh, five sessions back minimum, to back minimum, of Gabs. Minimum, 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 minimum. So I'm just warming up for um, ARBA hosting. Okay, yeah, yeah. So just, just, yeah. You got the memo, didn't you? No. 
Yeah, I, I will do all the funny stuff. All okay. Right. Now, uh, Gabs, Matt, <laughs> Friday, both sessions. Um, you're you're going to be wandering around uh, assaulting, consulting, uh, chatting uh, with brewers, doing some Brews, Brews News Live. Part of that growing um, evolution of Brews News, I think, geez, mate, it must have been the first Gabs at the Melbourne, the, the Royal Exhibition building. Building, um, yeah. When Craft Beer College was upstairs, all of Gabs was down on the lower tier. Yes. And, you know, I wanted to, to have a bit of a chat with brewers, so I had my little sort of recording rig there. And um, also being a little bit socially anxious um, when you're down on that area where if you walk 15 metres to get a beer, it'll take you 45 minutes because you're stopping every five minutes and you just really want to get a beer. And then you've just said to somebody back behind you, look, I'll be back in two minutes. And it just takes so long. So I'd get very freaked out by that. So I'd hidden upstairs um, just outside Craft Beer College and uh, started, people just would come up and have a sticky beak and I would grab them. So it was a perfect little eddy where I got, you know, didn't get the fire hose of people coming through. Um, Fast forward five years and we're actually going to be back down on the uh, craft beer floor and uh, doing, thanks to Bintani, if I can say that on a crime podcast, um, Bintani's actually um, sponsoring some more of our Facebook Live stuff that we've done with them in the past and every uh, hour for four minutes we're just going to do a quick Facebook Live chat. uh, from from right from the very first ringing of the bell, um, and we'll call her hopefully Steve Jeffers, who uh, I, I know is listening. Um, get the ringing of the bell, and then get a quick three with um, Steve to overview uh, the event. Then every hour, we're just going to change location and do a quick uh, Facebook Live chat with somebody um, somebody interesting uh from live from gabs to really capture some of the, the 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 noise and hustle and activity and excitement of gabs on what in some ways is is, is the gabs trade day so yeah really really excited about that and then we'll um package all of those audio um clips up and uh, put it out as a bit of a special edition podcast under the radio brews news banner terrific Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Now might be a good time to spruik the partnership that we've got with Beer Cartel. They're going to provide a six-pack of Australian craft beer to the letter of the week. Now that can come in many forms. That can be uh, email. It can even be tweet. If you've got an interesting tweet, if you've got a comment on Facebook or even a comment in the show notes, um, we'll just have picked the, the, the letter that we think that piques our interest and uh, our good friends at Beer Cartel will send you a six-pack of craft beer. Having uh, shilled for that, um, we didn't actually have a email, so it seems to be the bourbon, uh, the Goose oh, Island. So we, we've, got have a, we've got to have a $200 bottle of beer to make people write in. Well, we do have a, I think it's a $39 gift pack. With, Six pack, yeah. Uh, with, with postage and a Bruise News uh, bottle opener and all, a list, and, and all uh, 
emails um, get a Brews News bottle opener. Um, but there was an interesting conversation uh, on on our comments, um, and I think it came from. I don't think it actually came from the podcast. It came from the uh, written article about Corona Lihera. Um, Chuck, who from the sound of it works in a bottle shop, posted in the comments, this came into work today with retail, talking about Corona Lajera, the mid-strength Corona, with retail price points of $20 a six-pack and $52 a carton. That's $2 less than the full-strength Corona um, and $4 on six-packs than Corona full-strength cartons. Oh, sorry, on six-packs, $2 cheaper than six-packs, $4 cheaper than cartons. With great northern super crisp it sits at 15 dollars a six pack so that's five dollars cheaper than the equivalent corona and 50 dollars a carton retail so two dollars cheaper than corona often our customers compared the great northern original and corona to see which is cheaper and the great northern usually wins out while it may not be aimed at the same demographic there is always the crossover and i don't think corona lajera will do as well as cub hopes it will but i could be wrong Personally, I'll be sticking to the great range of mid-strength craft beers out there, like the Pirate Life Throwdown IPA or the Green Beacon Half Mast Session IPA. So uh, I, I guess that was a, like a great comment that um, took us back to the discussion we had last week about you know when is a beer that tastes the same geared at a different sunset occasion, Prof? Yeah, one that presumably is subsidised by the um, Australian or the world citrus industry. Well, again, I mean, as we talked about last week, Corona is one of the few beers that is imported, and I think it's only able to get away with that because it has the lime ritual. Every other brewer talks about um, the need to brew fresh locally. I'm sure there is a huge... Um, profit incentive for them to do that as well um but they spin it by talking about the freshness but the freshness is a is a legitimate reason but yeah no corona does seem to be able to command a much higher price than even a contemporary lager like great northern and it lets them target and i guess cub on just to some level doesn't really care whether people are drinking great northern or drinking uh, corona because at the end of the day the profit's going to them yeah, keen to hear our listeners' thoughts. So um, send us an email. Producer at bruisenews.com.au. There you go. Or on the Facebook page or, um, yeah, just let us know. Um, with Gab's coming up, obviously, you're going to see a little bit of us around. Um, we're going to be fairly busy during Good Beer Week, uh, including our, um, our session at the Cryer Malt uh, Trade Hub upstairs the brewers lounge will be back bigger and better than ever this year and uh, we'll be looking at, at uh, logistics. Hopefully I won't spark any um, fury wars. Um, <laughs> people have just started tagging me in uh, discussions about canned on dates now. I think they, uh, you know, which is a little bit like when you throw a grenade in a room and shut, walk out and shut the door. Um, <laughs> I always come back to see what, what damage is caused. I, I think I should be taking shares in the popcorn industry based on <laughs> um, But anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so going on that issue of, on the one hand, we've got uh, a retail distribution uh, chain that formed uh, around highly shelf stable um, low flavor positive beers um, that could handle you know a 12 month use by date um, or best before date um, and we and the logistics and retail train was set up to service them we now have a very flavor positive craft beer market that probably doesn't have the shelf stability that in, in fact I'll go out there and send us your cards and letters, um, doesn't have the shelf stability to be on the shelf for 12 months. 
but yet is being committed to that same uh, market. So we're looking at you know what needs to change on on both ends of the, you know, the 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 craft beer market from the retail and the brewing to make craft beer survive, make it work for the consumer. Does craft beer have to shorten its use by date? Does it have to, you know, pasteurise? Does it have to have much better production processes? Um, does the logistics industry and the uh, retail industry need to refrigerate and perhaps not sell craft beer if they can't look after it properly? These are the questions that we are going to have a panel of experts coming on to uh, to discuss with us, and it's, it really is a uh, very um, knowledgeable body who's uh, yeah. And again, if you're not on the panel, but you've got some strong thoughts or you've got something to add, come along, and we will be having uh, Pete on the roving mic, uh, so you can certainly you know, add your point of view because beer, after all, is a conversation. And Prof, what have you got coming up this week? Not quite week this week. Yeah, Laura plays her first game of um, of rugby league tomorrow. There's, she's a she's a pioneer. I, I saw you shared that. Yeah, the the VRL has um, has there weren't quite enough girls to to sort of get a team to to get teams together, but they've managed to put four teams together made up of um, other teams. So so she'll be wearing her club's uh, shorts and socks, um, but uh, but wearing uh, another team's jersey, and uh, so there'll be yeah eight of them. Sort of from all all different clubs, all playing. So that's that's my weekend pretty much done. Nice. Oh, all, all the best to the uh, to the little pilsner. Yeah, yeah. But uh, apart from that, no, just uh, getting ready for for good beer week. Banking brownie points. Yes. Well, I'll be. Uh, oh God, uh, my next couple of weeks is just going to be feral. I'm uh, heading off next Wednesday. I'm flying across to Auckland on a PO cruise out of Auckland. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, no. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and I've not been to Auckland, so I am just taking on a day and a half. Uh, I'll be stopping in at the offices of uh, Cry Malt, um, who are the proud presenters of this podcast. Uh, I believe I might even be heading up to uh, Eight Wide um, Brewery, which is uh, about 40 minutes away, and then uh, just tripping around Auckland. So if we've got any uh, New Zealand uh, listeners or if we have any Australian listeners who um, have been to Auckland recently that want to throw some tips my way, it's a clean slate for me. I don't know. Uh, I've not been there. I've been to Wellington a few times, but uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, Auckland's a a lovely place to come from. And on that note, thanks, Matt. Thanks for um, your contribution again this week. And thank you to the listeners for, uh, for listening in because really without you, it's just Matt and I talking. And we're out.